Well, good morning again. Uh, I'd like to again welcome you to worship, whether you're here in person or home online. Uh, we hope that you're blessed and experience the power of the risen Christ this morning. You know, today on Easter, uh, we join over two billion Christians this weekend to get together to worship and to affirm what we believe, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, and that Jesus Christ rose from the dead so that we might have life both now and forever. And, and for hundreds of years, Christians have done so with the belief that the power and the message of Easter gives us reason to have what the Bible calls a living hope, a certain hope, not just for today, but for the future. But given the craziness of the past year, just over 12 months ago, this whole thing called COVID became a part of our lexicon, and it led to all sorts of disruption. It led to loss, loss of relationships because of isolation, uh, loss of, of health, loss of jobs or finances, even sadly sometimes loss of life. And on top of that, these past 12 months, the divisions in our country and culture have seemed to become wider than ever uh, along lines of politics or race or, or justice issues or whatever it might be. All the craziness of 2020 has combined to make it a very interesting year. And we certainly hope that moving forward, 2021 uh, is better. But given all this, as we celebrate Easter this morning, do we still have do we still have reason for hope. Do we still, can we still proclaim because of Easter that we still have hope for a better world, for you know, better lives, for better future for us, for our kids, uh, for our, our grandkids? Or are we just simply engaged in wishful thinking? I want to share three reasons this morning why I believe the resurrection can provide each one of us with hope, with a solid and real and lasting hope. We begin with the words of Jesus Christ in John 14. Uh, this, the context here is Jesus is with the disciples in the upper room just before he goes to the cross the next morning. And um, he says these words to his disciples in verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And then Jesus, just a few moments later in chapter 16, says these words. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So the first reason that we can have hope is because of the resurrection of Christ. Because of it and through it, we can have the peace of Jesus Christ, the risen Christ. Now, there, there are a lot of things that we, we, that we seek to find peace. We all want peace. And we often think of peace, you know, as a lack of trouble, uh, a lack of worry, you know, uh, just a lack of everything's going smoothly. Uh, we, we want peace, lack of conflict. Um, and so we do certain things to try to, uh, to cancel out that worry or minimize it, right? So financially, for instance, we think about our future. So we have a little bit more peace, maybe, if we have a solid job with good benefits and our IRAs are growing. Or perhaps regarding our health. Uh, we want peace regarding our health because we want to live long and healthy lives, be around for our family as much as possible. We'll experience things in life. And so what do we do? We, we exercise. We, we try to eat right. 
Uh, we hope the doctor says, hey, you're in pretty good shape for a guy your age. And, you know, and, and if we hear those things and do those things, maybe we, we can have a little bit of peace about our future. We do the same thing with our relationships, with, with family or friends or, or, or other things. And all these things are good. But we all know that ultimately they don't, they don't provide lasting peace because those things can all change in a heartbeat and they don't, they don't protect us from bad circumstances and bad things that can happen. When Jesus talks about peace, he reminds us of the reality of the world in which we live. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. It's not, you might have trouble. You know, maybe if you're lucky, you won't have trouble. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. I mean, Jesus himself, when you look at his life, he had a lot of adversity in his life, didn't he? And so the peace that Jesus comes to give may not be what we think it is. It isn't necessarily a, a lack of trouble or a lack of conflict or even a lack of worry at times. The peace that Jesus Christ comes to give is, is something different. It's not dependent upon the circumstances of our lives. It's not something that comes and goes. It's like we want to get away from everything, so we go on vacation to a beach or we go to the mountains and we sit by a stream and we feel peaceful for a while. But we know when we return home, back to life, back to work, that that peace is likely to be fleeting. So Jesus, through the resurrection, offers us lasting peace that we can experience even in the midst of troubles. That's why he said, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. He says, my peace I give you. It's not a peace that comes from the world. It's a peace that is permanent, that is, that's accessible whenever we need this. So we can, we can have peace with, with unshakable hope because of the resurrection. Now, notice Jesus doesn't say this. He doesn't say, have courage. I've overcome the world. And you can too, little guy. You can do it too. I, I believe in you. He doesn't say that. If, 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 if that was the message, that wouldn't be good news because we can't live up to his example. It would be like me playing basketball with, say, Steph Curry. And we're in the gym and he goes first. He makes 105 threes in a row, which he's done. And he says, okay, Doug, it's your turn. I have done this. I have overcome this. If I can do it, you can do. You can too. And it's like, no, that's not going to happen. I mean, if I get double figures in a row, that would be a good day. Jesus says, you can live with unshakable hope because I've overcome the world. I've defeated any and all things that are in the way of you experiencing peace with me, of having a relationship with me. Again, going back to our, 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 our analogy with Steph Curry, it's like being in a three-point competition and you're on the team with Steph Curry and says, hey, don't worry, you just sit on the sidelines. I'll take all the shots, but you're on my team and my victory will be your victory. When Jesus gives us peace, he gives us his peace. Have you experienced peace these past 12 years? I mean, I'm sure all of us have had a little bit of worry or anxiety, but have you experienced I mean, real peace, the peace of Christ? Well, there's more. Let's take a look, look at now Jesus' words at the end of Matthew 28, where Jesus says, And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, this is right before Jesus goes back into heaven. And he says, I am with you always. 
And if you remember at the beginning of Matthew, when Jesus shows up on the scene for the first time and he's born into this world, what is one of his names? Emmanuel, which means God with us. So, so at the beginning of Jesus' entry into earth and just before he leaves this earth, it's a bookend of I am with you. The message is I am with you always. And so the resurrection of Jesus Christ offers us the presence of the risen Christ. And if you look through the entire Bible, this theme of God with us is there over and over and over again. For example, you go back to the beginning. God creates the universe. He creates the world. And he creates the first humans. And God is with them in a very special and intimate relationship. But they rebel against God. They, they push God away. They say, no, we know better. And, 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 and so there's a break in that fellowship. There's a break in the relationship. And, and the presence that they had with the, the experience of God's presence they had before is, is different. It's clouded. It's, it, it's, it's, it's cut off. But God makes a promise. And that promises that through a child, peace would come. And throughout the rest of the story of, uh, in the scriptures, we see God's attempt over and over again to, to uh, reestablish that relationship with his people so they, they can experience his presence in a, in a powerful and a personal and, and a palpable way. You see God send prophets. You see God do miracles. You see God give them the law and commandments to know how, so they know how to, to obey him and to walk with him, what's best for them. He, 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 he um, reveals himself to them time and again so that they know who he is and who they're serving. Over and over we see God's attempts to let his people know, I want to be with you. And through the resurrection we have hope because we can experience the presence of the risen Christ. You know, a lot of times people will, you'll talk with them and say, you know, I, I had a bad experience with the church or I had a bad experience with Christians. And so I'm just going to just chuck the whole thing and walk away. And they'll say, well, I'm sorry. I, I really am sorry because, you know, unfortunately, uh, church history and, and we as Christians were far from perfect. And often uh, we can we can be almost uh, something that pushes people away from the faith. But I would say to them, and I would say to you if you're hearing this, is that if you want to know who God is, if you want to know what he's like, don't look at other Christians. Look at Christ. That's who you're called to put your trust in. You're not called to put your trust in other people. You're not called to trust, put your trust in the church. You're called to put your trust in Jesus Christ. And so through Jesus' life and through his death, And through his resurrection, Jesus offers us his presence forever in a personal, in a palpable, in a powerful way. Now, at this point, you might be thinking, why would God, who designed this universe, who's created us in in, in very intricate ways, why would God want that kind of relationship with me? Why would he want to be with me? Why would he want to know me in that way? Doesn't he, does he just want to look over my shoulder and scold me? Does he want to control my life and keep me from doing the things I want to do or tell me to do certain things that I don't want to do, whatever it might be? But no, I would say God wants to be with you. He wants you to experience his presence because of his love for you, his deep love for you. So no matter what's going on in our lives, we can have hope, a real hope through the resurrection because we can experience the peace of Christ and we can experience the presence of Christ. But there's one more. The third reason the resurrection 
can offer us hope is because we can experience the power of the risen Christ. Listen to these verses from writings that the Apostle Paul wrote. The first is from Ephesians chapter 1, where Paul prays this for the people who are reading his words. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his people. So he's saying, I'm praying that your, your, your eyes will be open to the truth and to the reality of who Christ is. He says, so that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. He says that power is the same as the mighty strength that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. So we can have hope through the resurrection because we can experience the power that rose Jesus Christ from the dead. You know, the problem with with any religion, and I use the term religion, I define it as um, kind of man-made, human-made structures or institutions that we use to try to try to earn our way to God. We try to earn his approval. We try to make ourselves look better in the eyes of others um, or, or self-help. Those things, we're told to do certain things, but we don't, aren't given the power to be able to live out those ways. And the problem is, is that willpower is not really power at all, right? Even the most disciplined and strong-willed people of us, there's limitation to our willpower. Eventually we'll break down. We all have our, our weaknesses. Mine is... And the staff can attribute to this, can testify to this, is, is potato chips. Uh, you, you search my, my office, you'll find some potato chips or evidence through the crumbs that they were once there. But what sets Christianity apart is that you're given the power to live for God and do all he asks you to do. Let me make this clear. God does not ask you to do something and then not give you the power to do it. God does not ask you to be somebody or to act a certain way, to be a certain person and not give you the power to do it. He has given us incredible power. The power that rose Jesus Christ from the dead. The power that Jesus uh, had over disease, over nature, over evil, over sin. That power is available to us. The Apostle Paul who wrote these verses uses an ancient Greek word for power, dunamis, which is the root of our word dynamite. And so Paul is basically saying, because of the resurrection, you have power available to you, explosive power, like dynamite, that can clear away, that can blow away obstructions, that can open new, new avenues up to you. Power over disease, power over circumstances, power over sin, even power over death but you have to receive it and able to be used it. You know, one of the things that's frustrating as a kid, I remember this, it only happened maybe once, so um, I don't want to make it out to be, it was a yearly occurrence, but at Christmas, you get a new toy and you are really excited about it and you tear off the wrapping paper, hey, they listened to me, they saw my list, I got what I wanted, and you tear it apart and then you see they're in little print, batteries not included, and they didn't buy batteries. That's, that's frustrating, right? You, you want to be able to use this, but you can't because the batteries aren't included. You see, the difference between Christianity, rightly practiced, and rightly believed, and every other worldview or religion is this. 
The batteries are included. I mean, other worldviews promise all sorts of nice things or packaged nicely, but there's really no true power without the power of Christ living in you. You can't have lasting and permanent hope. Hope is a resolute confidence in the power of the risen Christ. You know, when I think about God's power, what it can do in our lives, I think of people in our church who have overcome addiction, who have been sober for many years, and they attribute to the power of God within them. They tried in their own willpower, but they couldn't do it. Or I think about single parents raising their kids, very challenging circumstances. But they've said, hey, I couldn't have done this except for, for Christ. Or people who've lost a, a loved one, and it's difficult, but they found comfort in the power to get up out of bed in the morning because they're experiencing the power of the risen Christ. And here's one more thing about God's power. One of the ways that we experience God's power And we don't always like to experience it this way, but one of the ways we most powerfully experience the reality of Christ's resurrection power is when we participate in his suffering. I know that sounds weird, but that's kind of the secret sauce, you know, to the Christian faith. Suffering can bring us closer to Jesus, to the source of power. Because as the Bible says, when I am weak, he, Jesus, is strong. So the good news, the great news of Easter is that we can be people of a real, living, confident hope. Because through the resurrection, we can experience God's peace. We can experience the presence of the risen Christ. And we can experience and have access to the power that rose Jesus Christ from the dead. So let me end real quickly by being very clear about something. How do you get this hope? Well, the good news which we call the gospel, the good news of Christianity is that even though we, in many ways, are worse than we think, we are more loved by God than we can possibly imagine or believe. How are we worse than we think? Well, we're spiritually dead in our sins. There are certain things that we just can't change about us, certain things we can't change about our lives. No matter how hard we try, we just can't seem to make that change. And we have no way of bringing ourselves to life spiritually. We just can't do it. But the good news is we are loved by God so much that when we put our trust in Christ, we can see breakthroughs in our lives. I mean, Jesus didn't come back just to improve us or make us better. He came back to bring us from death to life, to a new dimension, so we could be called a new creation in Christ. He came to give us his peace and his presence and his power. So, real quickly, there are three typical responses to Jesus that you see in the scriptures, and there are three that we see today. One of them is some people are fans. They're fans of Jesus. You know, Jesus' day, he attracted big crowds. People were interested in him. He was a provocative speaker. He challenged the status quo. He did some miracles. I mean, he was just a fascinating person. People wanted to be around him. But yet, there are many who followed, you know, safely at a distance. Yeah, I kind of know about him. Yeah, I'm all, Jesus is, he's all right with me, right? But you kind of keep him at a distance. You know, it's, it's a different thing to really trust him and to follow him. Maybe you're a fan 
maybe you're not a follower. You look at scriptures and you look at our world and some people aren't fans. In fact, maybe they're opposed to Jesus. Like, oh, this is a bunch of hogwash or this or that or, 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 or disinterested or they're too good or too proud in their minds to, to humble themselves because they want to stay in control. They want to, they want to have power. They, they want to manage their own lives. They say, hey, I'm not weak. I don't need that crutch. I can, I can do things on my own. I don't, I don't need God. I don't need that. But if you're like me this past 12 months or so, it's, it's been pretty humbling because we realize how much is really out of our control. There's very, very little that we have in our worlds that we ultimately have control over, right? And then there's a third group. And I hope that you're in this group or you'll choose to be. Those who by faith decide to trust and to follow. As Romans 10, 9 puts it, they believe in their heart and they confess with their mouth that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. And they receive his peace and his presence and his power. So what about you? What will you choose? What group will you decide to be in?